0: That's Indeed.com slash sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league. Drafts last just for one night. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, you play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Trust me, I love playing drafts. I play golf. I play NFL, basketball. You can play them um, three. Uh, you can play head to head, three man, six man. There's there's running leagues. And you win one night, it keeps going for four, five, six nights. You can play a dream team. There's all kinds of great ways to play draft, and you can join me today. Just search draft in your app store or, or play right from your computer on draft.com. And when you enter promo code SD Sports. You got to enter the promo code SD Sports. You get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money game for free just for using the promo code SD Sports when you make your first deposit. Just again, search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the promo code SD Sports. Now to this week's edition of Best with Bubba. everybody to another episode of benched with Bubba episode 96 uh, doing a little prospect talk tonight for your uh, you know dynasty teams um, all these guys coming up for your regular season teams in order to do so we have a special guest us. you can find his work on rotowire uh, Friday farm days on Sirius XM he has a Wednesday podcast with rotowire with Clay Link um, you can find him on Twitter at real Anderson James Anderson how we doing man
2: good happy to be on with you
1: I appreciate it. Uh, it It's pretty cool to finally get to to sit down and do this. Uh, A lot of good stuff. Uh, I know Justin Mason and some other guys that have been on my show have talked about um, not being afraid to pay for good content. And I've been with Rotowire for at least a decade now. So I've been following a lot of your work and a lot of your guys over there. It's very, very good stuff. So it's fun to sit down and actually get to talk about some of this.
0: Yeah. Um, Awesome.
1: Yeah, it's good stuff. Let's talk about some of the recent call-ups before we get into some stuff coming down the pipeline here, and obviously we'll kick it off with the the 19-year-old that just burst onto the scene, Juan Soto, starting out the season in low A, and most people, maybe you were not one of them, did not think he had a chance of getting this far this year. Uh, Just give us kind of a brief rundown of what we can expect from Juan Soto because I've heard anywhere from the next, you know, Mike Trout to a very good hitter.
2: Uh, I mean, let's let's keep it with very good hitter for now. I mean, it, it's definitely, um, you know, it's it's kind of a once every five ten years where a guy this age uh, gets to the big leagues. I mean, it, it just really doesn't happen that often. Uh, nineteen years old. I mean, I, I started the year with him, uh, kind of at the the back end of my top twenty. That was obviously. Way too low. He's he's up to third overall now behind uh, Acuna and Vlad Jr. And, I mean, I've, I've seen people make the case that he might be on the same level as as those guys. I'm kind of taking a bit more of a wait-and-see approach uh, there. I don't, I don't think there's going to be much speed at all. So I think that that's – you know, when people compare him to Acuna and, and compare him to someone like Trout, I think you have to realize that you're, you're getting pop- – potentially elite four category production but I don't think you're going to be getting a ton of stolen bases that's just not really a big part of his game but I mean we could be looking at a guy that competes for batting titles gets on base a ton and and hits 30 plus homers I mean it's it's a really exciting skill set and you know I think he's obviously a guy that you want to be rostering in pretty much all formats at this point.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, one of his, you know, former Nats minor league counterparts, and Victor Robles, obviously hurt. We'd imagine this would have been his spot if he didn't get hurt. Um, how do you compare the two of them, kind of going on for the maybe the next few years?
2: Uh, you know, I'd, I'd give Soto the edge everywhere except speed, and then obviously Robles has just a, a massive edge with the speed. But I, I, I think the hit tool, you know, people have been throwing. 70s on Robles' hit tool for a few years now. Uh, I, I think that it's possible that he's a 300 hitter. I, I think it's probably more likely that he's like a 280 hitter, uh, whereas Soto I think, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to convince me that he's not going to be a 300 or better hitter uh, in most seasons. He might have like a, a down year here and there, but uh, I'd give him the edge there. I think that there's more on base skills with Soto. Uh, he kind of profiles more as like a number two, number three, number four hitter, whereas Robles, I think, is kind of more of a classic leadoff guy. Uh, But he's got 40 steal upside, and that's hard to find, especially from a guy that's going to hit for a pretty high average. So uh, I don't want to make it seem like I'm shortchanging Robles, but Soto's just got such a higher ceiling in average and power me that I'd I prefer Soto at this point.
1: No, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, let's go to the Braves. Obviously, Ronald Acuna needed some more seasoning to start the year, but he finally got him, apparently, and uh, they called him up, and he's, he came out like a ball of fire. He's kind of slowed down a little bit, but still very productive hitting behind Ozzie Albies there. Um, what can we kind of expect Acuna, Acuna-wise, compared to maybe Soto and those other big guys up top?
2: Uh, there's, there's definitely more swing and miss in Acuna's game. I mean, I, I think that, that, you know, we kind of knew that coming into the year. Uh, I I don't think anyone, you know, I, I ended up with Acuna in some redraft leagues, but, you know, I wasn't even expecting him to be anywhere near like 300 this year. It was more kind of like a bet on, you know, I, I think he can hit 265, maybe 270. And I just think the power and the speed totals are going to push him. Uh, to a, an earning price that I think is going to surprise a lot of people. I, I I think that 2020 is a pretty safe bet with him uh, this season as a rookie. And that, I mean, you, you don't say that about a ton of people. Uh, with Soto, you know, you're you're kind of chasing that. You know, I mean, with Soto, I might even compare him a little bit to – you know, kind of a first baseman's type of production just in the outfield. Like, it's kind of a Derivato, Freddie Freeman type of skill set, whereas Acuna has that sort of more electric skill set where, you know, it could be kind of like Hanley Ramirez in the outfield where there might be a 30-30 year mixed in there. Uh, There might be, like, a 40-20 year. Like, that's kind of the skill set with Acuna. Whereas Soto, it's just going to be crazy OPSs, like a ton of – you know, like, OBPs north of 400, that type of thing.
1: Okay. Um, you know, if you had to – let's just say you're in a dynasty league and you have – there's a Cunha and Soto out there and maybe you're trying to reload for the future or you're trying to win for now and you have one of these pieces, what do you think is kind of, like, fair asking prices for these guys? <laughs> I know it's kind of a loaded question, but <laughs> – yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, so – If you were trying to, so are you trying to get one, or are you trying to cash out on one?
1: Let's say you're trying to acquire one of these two. What do you think you'd have to give up for these kind of guys?
2: I mean, you have to base it. uh, You have to be giving another really high end young player back. Like it can't be just like Joey Votto and Max Scherzer or something. Like that doesn't get it done for me. Just because there's there's a shelf life on those those guys. Like I know that. You know, Max has never broken down. Joey Votto's still cruising. But, like, we know that in five years, those guys are probably going to be pretty much done. Uh, so I think, like, you know, you could try to build it around, you know, a guy like Albies, a guy like, you know, Aaron Judge, Cody Bellinger. Like, you know, that's the caliber of young player that you have to build the deal around. And then you probably also have to throw in, uh you know, a high-end pitcher whether it be i don't know like a a guy like jacob de like if if it was say it was like cody bellinger and jacob de or something like that uh then i think you're kind of approaching the ballpark of something that i would listen on but uh, you're really at this point going to have to overpower that owner with a with a package that they just like you'll know it when you see it If, if it's something you have to ask me about or something you have to ask someone online about it's probably not enough just because of the crazy value that comes with having one of these guys uh, for like a 15-year, potentially Hall of Fame level
1: prime. All right. Now now this is probably just crazy, and you can laugh at me, and we can move on if you want. But say, again, you're trying to just rebuild for the future, and and the guy that's winning has Soto or Acuna, would you give up a Harper or Trout type guy?
2: No, uh, I mean I, it's not a crazy question, I guess. Just because um, but of the age I, again is
1: what I'm thinking.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I get it, uh, but you know, with guys like Trout, Harper, Correa, like what makes them the best of the best is that they are still pretty damn young. I mean, it's it's not like Bryce Harper's in the middle of his prime; like he's just kind of beginning his prime and, and Mike Trout, I mean, he could be doing this for the next 10, 12 years. Like it, you're, you're not trading guys that are kind of on where mm-hmm. the end is in sight. So I, I think that those guys are just so special that uh, that's, that's not going to get it done.
1: No, yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking, but I wanted to hear how crazy it was. But uh, let's talk about Gleyber Torres. He was on top of many people's prospect charts. I'm not, I don't remember where you had him last year before he got hurt. Obviously, for those that somehow don't know, he had that to Tommy John surgery. He's back. He's in the bigs. Started out a little slow, but he's been on a tear this last, you know, seven to ten days. Um, what can we expect from Glaber now? Because this is, seems like the guy that everyone thought they got from the Cubs, and now he's finally doing it.
2: Yeah, I was probably not high enough on, on Glaber as a as a prospect. I had him behind, you know. Guys like Victor Robles, I had him behind, uh, Nick Senzel, Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, today I think he's, you know, it's kind of a toss up between him and Eloy Jimenez for who you want to put number four. But, uh, I mean, he's going to exhaust that prospect eligibility soon enough. So I don't have to deal with that decision, but, uh, you know, he, he's really kind of looking like a foundational superstar. I mean, he, he reminds me in a lot of ways of Carlos Correa, uh, just in that he it just comes so natural to him and that you know he wasn't a big you know he put up some impressive uh isolated power figures at certain stops but um sometimes these guys just like they get there right when they're starting to tap into just the heights of their potential in the power department I mean a lot you know it's a it's an old scouting phrase but you know, people always say like power is the last thing to come, and uh, we might just be dealing with a guy that's in a perfect situation. And you know, once he moves towards a, a top third of that lineup, which should be any day now, I think that there's just going to be all kinds of fantasy production to be had. Uh, really, not running a ton. Um, I, I think that there there's a chance we might get to double digit steals this year, but uh, probably probably a little unlikely, but. A uh, guy that I wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of a borderline 1st round pick next year.
1: Okay, good. So, are we expecting, cause like you said in the minors, the power wasn't there, but he seemed to still have a speed. Are we expecting maybe this could be because he's at the bottom of the order, put him at the top? we might think, you know, 15-plus speed, a uh, steel type guy in the future, or is this kind of what he's going to be? I
2: think it's, you know, part of the reason is he's just been hitting the ball over the
1: fence. Yeah, true, true. tough to steal. It's tough to steal from there.
2: Yeah, it's kind of the Ozzy Albie's conundrum. They <laughs> asked them for the speed, and he's just—he's giving you the production, but not where you thought you were going to get it. Uh, I Torres was never a guy that I—you know—it's not like he was a—I—I I, I haven't seen him graded out as a plus runner recently at all. I, I think he's more of a guy where you just kind of hope that there might be like a a year where he gets you fifteen to twenty steals, um, but it's not it's not going to be his calling card. He's just going to be a guy that hits for a really high average. And, uh, you know, depends how much you want to buy into these first 26 games or whatever from him. But uh, I think that, you know, 300, 305 average with 30, 35 homers. I mean, that, that's, I think that's within reason.
1: Nice. Yeah. That definitely gets the first round of buzz coming along next year. Uh, The Pirates called up Austin Meadows this past week. He's been a big prospect in their system. He's kind of just scuffled the last year and a half or so. He's already got two homers in his call-up, but some are saying who knows how long he'll be up for. I don't know what they're thinking, but it's the Pirates. They make weird, like Nick Kingham's back down. So you never know what they're doing. Um, When we get to see Austin Meadows full-time, what are we expecting from him? Is he either going to be the guy, you know, two years they thought he was going to be or kind of a little bit less than that?
2: He's kind of gone through a bit of a transformation as a hitter uh, the past couple of years. He used to be a guy that would would pull the ball, um, hit it hit it really hard to the pull side, and that that translated to uh, some decent power numbers for him. Past couple of years, he's kind of really just settled for for taking the ball the other way, and uh, and that's led to some. Impressive batting averages, but it's kind of resulted in his power taking a dip. And then, of course, he gets the call and he hits two home runs in just four games. Um, I mean, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Jesse Winker last year, where I was expecting a you know decent batting average, but then he just kind of came out of nowhere and started hitting for power. Uh, I don't know how sustainable that part of it is. I think he's a guy that could hit for a high average, hit you near know, the top of an order, chip in some speed, like. You know, maybe like a a fifteen fifteen season with like a two eighty five average, like that's that's kind of what I'd expect from him. I wouldn't get carried away with this this start in the power department, and actually might not be a bad time to sell high. I know that 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 rumor that he might go down when Starling Marte comes back might limit your ability to to flip him for a for a big haul, but. Um, I think he's he's not as exciting as some of these other guys we've talked about. I just don't see the type of upside there in the power speed department.
1: No, I like that. That's why I kinda wanted to talk about him because he's one of those names that's been around forever, it feels like, and you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't trade anybody to give him a shot. So it was kind of weird what was going on there. Let's talk about a move the Rays made yesterday, and I'm kind of worried this might only be for a few days, too, for some reason. I thought Willie Adamas should have been up last year before they even got a Denny Echeverria, um, and then they brought Echeverria back. Lots of that stuff we're not a part of in the front office, but Willie Adamas seems like a very, very good ball player, and he takes Chris Sale deep yesterday. could just be a fluky deal. But um, what are we expecting from Adamas? And I don't know if you have any insight. Do you think he sticks around or just an opinion on it?
2: Uh, I do I believe he's going to go down um, in a day or two and then he'll be back up. The Rays, like you really have to, like when you're doing the, the stuff I do with prospects, you kind of have to treat it like, well, there's these 29 teams and then there's this other team that like doesn't <laughs> follow the, the normal rules, you know, like, you, like I was saying this winner, like, Adamas and Jake Bowers like they're they're pretty much ready they spent all year at triple a like they're, they're probably going to be up and you know kind of around the same time Acuna's up and uh you know Ray's buddy of mine like said you know no they're going to keep him down to super two because it's the Rays and sure enough he's been kept down almost till the end of May then he comes up uh but I think they are planning on sending him back down for a couple more weeks let that super two uh kind of rolling deadline pass, which will be, you know, early June. And I think we'll see Adamas kind of in, in the middle of June back up for good. Uh, but he's, I, I'm really excited about him. He's one of those guys where you can't, like, obviously the the numbers in the minor leagues are great, but there's more upside. Kind of like what we were talking about with Glaber Torres, like he might be the strongest, the physically strongest guy playing shortstop in the majors, uh, once he's up for good, like he is ridiculously ripped. Like he looks like he belongs at at third base. I I was going to ask you.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: but I think he can, I think he can handle shortstop at least for a few years. I mean, he kind of is in that sort of Corey Seager bucket where you just let him play shortstop for you know four or five years. He eventually moves over to third, but, um, he's going to be a an on-base machine. He's he's going to be better in points leagues and, and OBP leagues where you get full credit for those walks and I think he's got a shot to hit like 280, 285 with 30 plus homers in his prime years. I mean, but that home run off a of sale was yeah, sure, it was just like one one pitch, one swing, but I mean, he he put on display like the the type of power he's got there and I think that he's he's going to be a really exciting guy uh, for a while. He's not quite in that that Glaver Torres tier for me, but uh a uh, heck of a prospect.
1: Okay, that answers my next question. So he's not in the Glaver Torres tier, is that like for long-term tier or right now tier?
2: It's like kind of overall okay. Superstar upside type of like I I don't I don't see Willie Adams ever being a first-round fantasy pick. I think he's a guy that like is going to routinely kind of go in the you know, forty to seventy range, um, where it's just it's it's a great player, but not 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 a guy that's gonna like be a, a, a true foundational piece on a on a dynasty
1: team. Until he gets traded from the Rays for a contender, just how it'll go. Um, Adam Plutko, this is just one I wanted to put down. It's not as flashy as these other guys per se, but the Indians called him up. He's one of their top pitching prospects, from what I was reading. And most people don't know much about this guy. So I was just wondering if you can give us a little insight on Adam Pletko and maybe what we'll expect because the fact they moved uh, Tomlin to the bullpen makes me think he's here for a little while.
2: Yeah, I think that, like, you know, for everyone that was asking me, like, when's Shane Beaver going to be up, should I start stashing Shane Beaver? Like, the Indians are, you know, they're a smart organization. They know how – like, you can kind of maneuver around that that fifth starter spot and still get quality innings – uh, by kind of mixing and matching, pulling the guy at the right time. Uh, Plutko, not a – I mean, he's more of kind of a redraft guy than a dynasty guy for me. Like, it, it's great that he's getting this opportunity. I think there are going to be some blow-up outings. Uh, the, the slider's decent. You know, fastball's okay. Uh, but I – I don't see the type of swing and miss stuff that's going to make him someone I want to just put in my lineup and kind of forget about it. Like I'm definitely going to pick my spots with him. Um, You know, if you're on, you know, say two starts against a couple of weak opponents, maybe you plug him in there. Maybe it's a one start week against some terrible team. Maybe you plug him in there. But I I think that there are definitely going to be some ups and downs for him.
1: So you're not going to run out and get him per se just a a season long league. You'd kind of I mean.
2: It's definitely case by case. Like if you're just really hurting and you need a, a guy that, you know, is going to get starts into deeper league, sure. But not, not a guy that I'm like, I'm not going to go really no matter what my need is, I'm not going to bid more than like a buck or two for him.
1: Okay. There's been other guys called up this year, Walker Buehler, who's a stud and really doesn't need any more talking about and many more. So let's talk about some, a few of the guys that are going to be coming up soon and what we think is going to come up soon. And one we know is coming up soon I believe I heard it was next week or the week after. Alex Reyes for the St. Louis Cardinals and his rehab starts have just been amazing. Twitter goes a buzz. Um, give us a little kind of rundown on what you're expecting from Alex Reyes, maybe this season and kind of just overall in his career. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean he's he, he's going to be in there until carlos martinez comes back but then at that point they, they're they gonna have to make a tough call unless somebody else gets hurt and you know i i sort of wonder if you know maybe they maybe they would think about moving luke weaver to the bullpen maybe they would think about moving michael walker to the bullpen but maybe it's maybe it ends up being reyes as just kind of a way to manage his innings uh, maybe they don't do it right away but uh, I I don't see them leaving him in the rotation and just setting it for the rest of the season. Cause I think that that's going to get him to a inning threshold. I wouldn't be comfortable with and a guy's first year back from Tommy John. So uh, I enjoy the run in the starting rotation while you can. I mean, it, it, it could be electric. Don't, don't freak out about the numbers he's put up in his rehab starts. I mean, he's, he's pitching against low A and high A guys like, those guys shouldn't be able to touch him. He should be able to get two strikeouts right. an inning against those guys. I mean, this stuff is ridiculous, and those guys have never seen stuff like that before. So uh, that that I would just kind of sweep under the rug. But, you know, he he displayed his potential back uh, when he was healthy and I think over strikeout printing pretty easily. Like whatever you were expecting from Michael Kopech, like top on, you know, 15 to 20% better production and that's kind of what I'm expecting from Reyes on a per-start basis. I mean, he's he's nasty. Uh, long-term, I think he's a guy that's going to kind of settle in as, you know, a, a no-doubt top-20 starter year in, year out. Maybe not a guy that's ever a a no-doubt top-10 starter. I think he's kind of kind of be in that, uh, I don't know, like Chris Archer type of range where – you know, you're getting the strikeouts, and you just kind of hope that the ratios play out in your favor. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him back on a big league now.
1: No, we're all excited for it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I thought he would maybe play more into the bullpen just to kind of monitor the innings, like you're saying. He, he, with an arm this special, rushing him back and overdoing it just is not the game plan to put in play. But, um, and Flaherty's pitching really, really well. Weaver's been up and down, but seems to be maybe right in the ship in the last few outings, um, if you had to rank the three rest of season, I'm assuming you got Reyes, Flaherty, Weaver, or how do you have that? <coughs>
2: um, I would actually go, I would actually go Flaherty, Reyes, Um I, I really like Jack Flaherty. I, I definitely prefer Alex Reyes long-term. I just think you're going to get more innings out of Flaherty, especially as a starter this year. And I don't think it's going to be all that close. Like it, you know, we could be looking at Flaherty makes like 20 starts the rest of the way. Reyes makes 10 starts the rest of the way. Like that, that's kind of how big that I see that gap being for those two guys. So, uh, and then with Weaver. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he was never as good as he was on paper. Like, through his first 10 or 12 big league starts this is kind of more the guy he is where obviously he's he's a guy that you trot out there in pretty much every format but not a guy that's think he's more like an sp5 to me and uh the other two have a bit more
1: upset no i like that a lot because i was on flaherty in a lot of my deeper leagues this year so i've been happy with the the recent uh, addition to the rotation with flaherty uh, let's talk about the one, the only, and you really don't have to get too deep into it, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a monster. And the only thing I can think of is they're using the he needs to play defense ex- uh, better in Toronto, which yeah, maybe so. I get it. They have a lot of issues, but they also have issues hitting the baseball. It seems like um, when are you thinking this guy's going to be up? Cause he seems like he needs to be playing.
2: Uh, I predicted a week ago on the podcast that I, thought he would be up um within the week so i'm kind of running out of like if he's not up <laughs> like after the game tonight or something then i guess i was wrong about that but i mean it like any day now i i'm with you like he's not sometimes a guy just the bat is that far ahead of the glove where you you don't want him to get stagnant at double a mm-hmm. and guess what they have a wide open spot for him at dh like i, mm-hmm. I He's he's quite a bit better than Kendrys Morales right now, uh, and I know that they're going to continue to develop him as a third baseman. And uh, if they end up trading Josh Donaldson, uh, you could you can get him some reps there on, on kind of a rebuilding team. But I mean, the guy's gonna his, his bread's going to be buttered with his bat. It's, I, I think that there's going to be like Albert Pujols is kind of my production comp. On cool, him that's and a, a guy that special just needs to be up. Let him get ready, or let him get used to big league pitching. Uh, obviously, nothing left to prove. We definitely don't have to talk about that, but um, yeah, you know, it's going to be a Hall of Fame caliber bat.
1: No, he's as legit as it comes. If we had to just, you know, these are just pure speculations because who's going to know? Ronald Acuna or Vlad Guerrero Jr.
2: Uh, like long term. Yes, long term. Um, and it's just it's so hard to quantify <laughs> that stolen base factor. Sure, true, true. Uh, I think in in OBP leagues and uh, points leagues, I'm I'm happy to say Vlad. I think in standard roto. I might still lean Acuna just because it's so nice to have your, your stud also be your source of stolen bases and, you know, you, you're not going to be able to replicate Vlad Jr.'s production, but like, I mean, just getting those 25 to 35 steals that you're going to get from Acuna for the next eight to nine years, like that's, That's the edge, I think, for for standard Roto. But in in leagues where stolen bases aren't quite as valuable, uh, points leagues for sure, I'm taking Vlad, uh, just because you're just going to side with the guy that's going to – I mean, he's going to win several batting titles. He's going to lead the league in OBP. He's going to hit 30 to 50 homers every year. I mean, it's going to be pretty nuts.
1: That's crazy. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, a guy that came over from the Cubs uh, last season in the Quintana deal – Extremely talented, lots of power as we know, tearing up double A, not quite to the extent of Lagrera, but he's tearing it up pretty good in his own rights. Uh, what are we? What are we looking for? Maybe a possible ETA this year on him, and uh, long term as well. Uh,
2: I don't think he's a lock to be up this year. Um, as an, as annoying as that is, if you if you're stashing Eula and you're seeing what he's doing at double A uh, from a baseball or from a kind of a a business standpoint and a building a sustainable competitor standpoint, I don't think it makes sense to bring them up this year because their window is not going to open until like what, 2020. And
1: It's true. That's a good point.
2: You don't want to burn a year of service time on, or too many years of service time, I guess, if you don't have to on non-competitive seasons. So you'd rather – like say you have a, a window that opens like 2020 and goes through like 2025, you want to make sure you have Yula Jimenez for for all you know that that full window. Uh, so I don't. I, I think there's definitely a chance he's up this year. I just think that you know if I'm if I'm stashing a guy in a shallower format, I I might not be able to justify continuing to stash him, especially if I'm getting hit with injuries. Like if if I've got full health and everything like that. Then it's kind of a luxury to just stash him, but definitely possible. He's not up till next year, and he kind of gets the Acuna treatment. Uh, this is kind of like, to me, what makes guys like Juan Soto and Vlad Jr. and Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albie so special is that, like, Igo Jimenez is just a very traditional, amazing prospect. He's 21 years old. He's at Double A. He's tearing the cover off the ball, and all those guys are like at least a year younger than him several years younger than him in some cases and some and most of them in the big leagues so like it's that's what makes those guys just so kind of like once in a generation type of talents is that they are this much better than a guy that many years like the like the Corey Seager Byron Buxton year like I would have had Eloy over both those guys uh the Yon Mankata year I would have had Eloy over Yon Mancada and yet he's just overshadowed by all these just generational guys that just happen to be in the same prospect class as him.
1: Yeah, no, that's the the beautiful thing about where the sport's headed. And you get to cover it on the daily is the talent pool right now in the prospect landscape is just insane. And we're only going to touch on a handful of what's going on right now. It's it's absolutely crazy on what's what's happening out there. Uh, let's talk about a guy in the Cincinnati Reds organization that some thought might even start the year out with him and then, you know, injuries and other things happened, and it was probably for the better. It made more sense, again, kind of almost in the same vein as you mentioned with the White Sox business-wise, what are the Reds really going for here? But uh, Nick Sinzel, he's you know going through the minors, doing his thing, and he's hitting up to 270 now. What are you thinking We or when do you think we might see Sinzel and what can he offer the rest of the year?
2: I think this vertigo issue, like I think there was a shot that he might not have come up at all anyway but the the vertigo issue that has cost him the last few weeks he's still not back in games uh I think that that's just kind of a free pass to not call him up this year and I think he might get that that Acuna treatment in 2019 as well uh just you know you, you might be able to make a better case like you're uh, you know, Clay Link, Clay Link, who I host the podcast with, like, wants, he's a Reds fan, and he wants them to call him up to just kind of throw the fans a bone. Um, <laughs> which, I I mean, that's, that's not a good way to make uh, decisions on promoting prospects. But, like, it'd be one thing if you had just a wide-open spot to play him, but he's, mm-hmm. you know, a third baseman by trade. He's been playing second base this year, and their third baseman and their second baseman are tearing the cover off the ball. So if one of those guys were to get hurt, Uh, That would definitely help his chances, but I mean, it it really sucks that they they don't have, you know, one of those three guys isn't going to be a a solid shortstop. Senzel's probably got the best shot of of any of them, but even he's going to be pretty below average. I don't think you want your young pitching staff uh, dealing with a shortstop who's going to be making the type of errors he'd be making back there. So uh, definitely possible that we don't see him to 2019 and uh, definitely wouldn't Fault anyone for cutting him loose in like fifteen team redraft leads.
1: That's interesting call there because it makes a lot of sense. I was really confused when they gave Suarez the long term deal at third because I hate seeing these teams mess with these young players. That you know, like you said, Denzel was a natural third baseman, and okay, let's move him to second. That's you can make that transition a little bit, but yeah, Scooter's crushing the baseball. So you go moving to short, and that is a very tricky position, to just teach a kid, and um, especially one where you want to keep him focused and everything. So that's interesting. They have a crowded outfield. I'm curious to see how they handle that. So, yeah, I guess I wouldn't be surprised either if they wait a while to bring him up and uh, handle that. What does he project to be, like, just an average and power guy or more of just a power-only kind of guy? Uh,
2: I think, you know, the – the ceiling on a guy like Sunzell is kind of Paul Goldschmidt in at second base or third base. Like he could be a guy that hits twenty-five homers, steals fifteen to twenty bases, and hits three hundred. Like that's that's within the realm of possibility. It's probably going to fall a little bit short of that. Maybe it's like two eighty-five with twenty-five homers, twelve steals, something like that in his in his better years, uh, which is still a, a heck of a player i mean just getting whenever you can get stolen bases from kind of non-traditional stolen base positions that's that's always great and Mm -hmm. i mean i i I love his hit tool I've, i've seen him seen him live before i mean he definitely passes the eye test a great prospect he's kind of in that hila jimenez thing though where he's just he's not quite on that level of these these elite guys that we're watching in the big leagues right now
1: gotcha uh, last guy I'm, I'm going to mention here, and I'm assuming we're going to see him. Well, you'd think we're going to see him pretty soon. Uh, Austin Riley of the Braves. He's tearing the cover off the ball in the minors right now. They finally cut Jose Bautista. And it seems like they're just kind of waiting time, maybe Super 2 or something else, to bring him up. But uh, do you think we see him soon? And if so, what are we expecting from him?
2: I think we are going to see him this year. I don't know. It, it might not be until um, – yeah, it might not be till July, honestly. Like he's a guy that should have been at Triple A, just from a talent and performance standpoint. He should have been at Triple A sooner than he was, but they opted to kind of exhaust the you know master this level philosophy. And if they continue to go that route with him, then we might not see him till July. Uh, but I, I love this guy. Um, he's just been ever since he got promoted to Double A last year. Every league he's gone to, he's been one of the best players in the league. He was one of the best players in the Arizona Fall League. He's obviously dominated Double A. He's he's after a great start at Triple A. Uh, there's there's some swing and miss in his game. I, I wouldn't expect a super high batting average this year. You know, and even long term, I wouldn't expect much better than like a 270 batting average from him. But I think it's just going to come with really classic third base power production where he's going to fit really nicely behind Freddie Freeman in that lineup. And he's just going to walk into so many hundred RBI seasons hitting in that lineup and 30 homer seasons hitting in that ballpark. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, that lineup's insane for years to come. Um, That'll kind of wrap this up. You know, there's like Willie Calhoun, Kyle Tucker, who's just an awesome ball player, and some other Super 2 type guys. Are there any kind of potential call-ups this year that really stand out to you that we really need to maybe go stash away or that'll be fun to watch this year?
2: Yeah, one one guy that I think is maybe not getting – as much hype as he as he maybe deserves for a variety of reasons as Corbin Burns with the Brewers, uh, he's you know if you look at his AAA numbers they're they're garbage because he has to pitch his home games in Colorado Springs, but if you just look at what he's doing on the road in the PCL, he's dominating and uh, he's kind of more of a traditional pitching prospect than Freddie Peralta. Like I think Peralta is kind of your classic. Uh, and turn the lineup over twice, going to strike a lot of guys out, but it's not going to be really efficient with his pitches. Corbin Burns, I think, could could be kind of more of a Jack Flaherty, Mike Soroka type of guy, and that's a pretty good team. I think he could win some games for them. I think he's going to be up in June or July. Uh, that's kind of a name that I haven't seen a ton of people pumping up, and I definitely think he's up this
1: year. I like that a lot. Uh, you mentioned Corbin, Corbin Burns, so I wanted to ask about a guy in the Milwaukee system. Because it just came to my mind, and I doubt he gets up this year, of course. But maybe he does. Who knows? But he tore it up in college, one of the best hitters in college in a few years. Uh, Keston Hiera, or Hiera, I'm I, might have, I don't, probably mispronouncing it, but he's he's torn the cover off the ball again right now. Uh, what's kind of the maybe ETA for him? Is it next year or whatever. And is this guy, like, literally going to be like a 330-type hitter?
2: Uh, you know the ETA on him is so tough because it's really, you know, he's at high A. It's just going to depend, like, what are his next couple months like? Does he force a promotion? Because I know I know he's he's hitting really well right now, but it's not. I don't think he's like forcing them to promotion promote him to double A right now. Uh, but if he just you know goes on like a crazy two week stretch where he's just hitting everything and gets that promotion to double A in, say, mid-June, then all of a sudden I think we are looking at a early, early 2019 promotion because they're going to have a hole at second base. Like, that's kind of their one mm-hmm. obvious hole uh, playing Jonathan BR there right now. But, I mean, he's kind of more of a super utility guy for me. And, yeah, once year is up, uh, I think he's going to be a lot like – Prime Daniel Murphy, uh, where it's—I still think it's hit over power. I know that I know he's got some power, but I think like the selling point with Hira is going to be like a a guy that could some some years hit 320, and other years maybe hits 290, 295, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know 20, 25 homers that type of thing. And he's going to be hitting in a great home ballpark. It's going to be a pretty good lineup. A lot to like
1: with him. Okay. Yeah, I'm just curious because I know he's older than most. He came out of the draft out of college and everything. So yeah, I just want to see what his hit tools were all about. Let's talk about a couple of prospects or a handful of prospects that have moved up your list this year from where things started out. Um, you have, you know, the, Mike and Jack Flaherty, that many know already from it, their runs in the majors. Got a couple Padres prospects on the list. Jesus Lazardo, who I got to see pitch for Stockton before he moved. And my goodness, that is filthy. Um, and Joe Adele's now in single A and high A. So I'm looking forward to that. What else? Uh, what, who are some of these guys that, uh, really catching your attention so far this season?
2: Uh, I'll start with Jordan Alvarez, uh, outfield slash first base prospect with the Astros. You know, he, I, I think I started the year with him maybe in the like 40 to 60 range on the top 400. And he's in the top 20 now, uh, deservedly so. I wouldn't be surprised if he's knocking on the door of the top 10 in a, in a month or so. Uh, Just kind of a flawless offensive profile, like hits it to all fields, walks a lot, doesn't strike out a ton for a guy that's as big as he is with his type of raw power. I mean, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Domingo Santana with like less swing and miss where, he just hits it to the opposite field so much, but he's got just so much raw strength and raw power that it just, it it doesn't matter. He's going to be like a 30 homer guy. And, you know, the majority of those might, might go out to the the opposite field. And he's got that, that high, a high enough ceiling where I definitely realistically envision him cracking that lineup as an everyday player next year. And that obviously comes with a, a ton of, RBIs and runs um yeah I mean we we touched on some of these guys Adele I was I was really excited that Joe Adele was able to uh do as much damage against low way pitching as he was while keeping that strikeout rate in check that was a big success for him uh Garrett Hampson is a is a really tough prospect to to value right now because all he's done every single stop is hit for a high average steal a ton of bases he's a plus plus runner he's going to play second base uh if you if he can get into that rockies lineup as an everyday player we could be talking about a guy that hits that basically gives you dj LeMahieu's who's average with 30 steals and that's a that's a hell of a player yes. uh the the problem is he's been A little bit old for all of his levels, which most Rockies prospects are. They really kind of value guys going to levels where they're going to have success, and they don't necessarily push their guys as much as I would. Uh, So we haven't really seen him challenged to the extent that I'd like. But, uh, you know, Garrett Hampson could be kind of the Reese Hoskins speed version where people are talking in like a couple of years like, how come this guy was ranked so low and everything like that? Um, I think he's got a lot of interesting qualities. And then, uh, you know, Chris Paddock is probably the, the starter. I mean, Jesus Lazardo's obviously got a lot of helium, but Chris Paddock, I think, might not be a household name right now, but by the end of the year, he's going to be seen as one of the best pitching prospects in the game. Uh, really long, lanky kid mid-90s fastball, 70-grade uh, changeup, plus breaking ball, um, just really kind of the, the whole package. He, he missed uh, last year with Tommy John surgery, but a guy that I could see moving pretty quickly, and I wouldn't even be surprised if he got a cup of coffee towards the end of the year with the Padres.
1: No, I like it a lot. Um, let's talk about some of the players that have moved down your list. A lot of these guys like Lewis Brinson we've seen just struggle mightily with his chance at the Marlins. Ryan McMahon, for some reason, started with the Rockies. Didn't play with the Rockies, but he started with the Rockies. So that didn't really help the kid at all. Um, I'll ask you a couple on these. And one of this, I'm going to go with my Homer Bias here. Is it due to the injuries or is he just really struggling? Helio Ramos, you have him going down on the list. And I know the Giants system isn't great, but uh, this kid looks like a great talent. Uh, I know he's in Augusta right now. What are you seeing that uh, doesn't look too good?
2: You know, I I kind of – I assumed that one of Helio Ramos, Joe Adele, and Austin Beck would kind of get not necessarily exposed, but just there'd be a dose of reality mixed in with their, their low A debuts. And it's been Ramos. You know, he, he was able to dominate in the AZL last year despite a lot of strikeouts. Uh, but I think it was. You know, it was kind of just a, a guy that was just so physically gifted, beating up on inferior pitching, and it's a pretty big jump from the A.Z.L. to Low A. Like that—that's that takes guys a while. I I still love him as a prospect. I mean, the tools are everything you want, but you know, not every prospect is Juan Soto or Ronald Acuna. Like even the guys with the crazy tools. You know, look at Esteban Florial with the Yankees. Like, he's a guy that's just going to move a little bit slower because there are some holes in his swing. He's got to make adjustment after adjustment. And eventually I, I have faith in Ramos making those adjustments and, and figuring it out and mashing against low-A pitching and then mashing against high-A pitching. It's just not going to be an overnight thing with him. I think he's just kind of going through some struggles right now uh still a top 100 prospect for me but a guy that's not going to move as fast as some of these other guys
1: yeah he's 18 years old too and people forget that that he's super young so he's kind of it's like his senior year in high school um still figuring it out uh francisco mejia is a name that many expected to by now be you know this time last year many expected him to have a, a role with the indians and then you know arizona fall league he's playing third base and Obviously, they didn't want to catch him catching because they have Jan Gomes and Perez Maybe I don't know, but what's going on with Francisco Mejia? And um, is this one of those guys that you know? Kind of, I'm not going to say he's a four A player. I think he's better than a four A player. He's gonna be a good ball player, but what's the holdup with him right now?
2: Uh, you know, this is a guy that I, 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 you know, I don't want to take a victory lap just yet. But like, this, <laughs> I was, I was quite a bit lower on him than pretty much everyone coming into the year. I just – I i hate it when a catching prospect doesn't have the chops to be an everyday catcher in an organization that values stuff like pitch framing and the Indians are probably in the top five of teams that value that type of thing. And Mejia um, just is not – like he's a good enough if, – If we if this was like the middle of the 2000s or something like that, he'd be catching probably for the big league club, but teams value different things now with catchers. A lot of teams, I think the Indians included just based on you. I mean, you see who they're trotting out there. uh, Just a lot of teams are willing to just punt offense at that position. And all they really care about is what you're giving them defensively. And I don't think he's really kind of up to that standard. So they've been kind of messing around with him at other positions. And, you know, we've seen this, a lot with catching prospects like Blake Swihart comes to mind uh you know you take away a guy's role as just like the the catcher of the future in your organization and sometimes the bat kind of falls apart a little bit with that uh I think that he is just kind of a guy in limbo right now and I think that you know the time to sell on him is probably come and gone you kind of just got kind of to stick it out i think that there will be better days ahead especially offensively but i, I don't really know where he plays for them long term
1: interesting yeah interesting. no. know when you have a rotation like the indians you probably want a catcher that can get the job done behind the plate and not worry about the the bat so that's a good point there uh i saw isan diaz isan diaz i'm horrible pronunciation um what's the situation with him right now because he seemed to be a guy really moving up prospect list and you have him uh, kind of moving down this year.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think the Brewers did really well in that Christian Yelich trade. Um, like all all the guys they gave the Marlins have seen their stock kind of take a pretty big hit to varying degrees since that trade. And uh, but the thing with Diaz is if you watch him, if you go see him in person like two or three games – chances are he's going to do something at the plate that just really kind of blows your mind, like where he just, you know, he's a, he's a five ten second baseman who will just easily hit a ball out the other way. And it's just a, it, it can look like a beautiful approach and it, it can kind of hypnotize you a little bit, but the production is just, just hasn't really been there. Uh, he had, he had a big year at low a in 2016, uh, but you know, it's we're we're going on you know about 150 games now where he's about a 215 hitter and that's obviously not going to cut it. Um, I think he's in a good organization to eventually get a shot, just given their lack of depth at pretty much every position. But not not a ton to really be excited about at this point from a fantasy perspective.
1: We take this brief break from Benched with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it. They're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. That No other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric, no thick ink. If you use the promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. Uh, Let's switch uh, gears here a bit and kind of go from a team perspective here. Uh, who are your top five major league systems at the moment? Uh,
2: Padres for sure. Uh, they probably the deepest system. Um, I mean, you, you kind of name it and they, they have it. Like if you want toolsy outfielders in the lower levels, they got that. If you want toolsy infielders in the lower levels, they got that. If you want like superstar potential in the upper levels, they've got that. And Fernando Tatis, they got a, Close to big league ready, second baseman and Luis Ortiz, who's going to be awesome. They've just got endless pitching depth. They're probably number one. Uh, Until Ronald Acuna comes off, the Braves are probably number two for me. Um, They've got, you know, Soroka still qualifies. Austin Riley obviously still in the minors. They've got a ton more pitching coming. William Contreras, Wilson Contreras' younger brothers, really come on as one of the top catching prospects in the game. Uh, the Yankees—they are just such a model organization right now. I know that that's
1: <laughs>
2: that's annoying for teams to, or for fans of other teams to hear, but like not only might they have the most desirable big league roster uh, in terms of just a, a sustainable winner with all their young talent, but they've got. Talent for days still coming on the farm, uh, oh, especially on the pitching side. Yeah. that's something a lot of these teams have in common. Is like they've just got so many high upside pitching prospects that just by you know probabilities, two or three of them are going to work out. And uh, the Yankees just have all kinds of pitching coming, all kinds of high impact players coming, just because of how involved they've been in the international market, especially and they've drafted pretty well. Uh, The Rays, I think, are a a system a lot of people sleep on. I think they're a no-doubt top-five system. They've got just all kinds of position players that are are pretty easy to get excited about. I like a lot of their lower-level arms, and that's a system that's just only going to continue to get better. Obviously, they're not really contending. They're going to be picking high in the draft the next couple of years. Uh, They're usually pretty active on the international market. so. Love the Rays system, and then the Astros are kind of a wild card in here. I mean, I, I think that there's a clear top four, and you can make a case for some other some other systems, but when I was going through the Astros system uh, a couple of weeks ago, they just have every single year, like, five or six pitching prospects just pop for them, where they, where it's like, I, I don't know if this guy's a reliever or a starter, but... He's gonna be something and it's gonna be pretty valuable. And they obviously still have Kyle Tucker. They still have Forrest Whitley, who I think is the best pitching prospect in the game. Uh, you know, they've got Jordan Alvarez, who we talked about earlier, and then they've just got this whole slew of pitchers who they, they might all just be relievers, but they're gonna be relievers that just strike everyone out. And uh, that's that's a really well run org. I mean, they're they're really good at restocking, they're really good at picking which prospects to trade away when they want to make a win now move like the Burlander move, uh, the Garrett Cole move. I think they, they picked right there. Mm-hmm. So uh, those would be my top five, obviously plenty of good systems, but you know, depth is something I really value as well as high end talent and all, all five of those have have both of those.
1: No, I like it a lot. That Padres system is oh so deep. Like you mentioned, it's really crazy. Fernando Tatis Jr., do you think we'll see him this year?
2: I I don't think they know. I mean, I, I think that they're open to it. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's striking out a ton at A, which he really should. I mean, he, he really got aggressively promoted there. Uh, but I think he's going to really need to improve over the next couple months for that to be a reality.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned the Braves. It's amazing that they can still have a system like this, and it's legit, even with all the sanctions that got thrown down at them last year. The Yankees, that's one that just, like you said, it makes so many fans angry on my baseball, my non-fantasy podcast. My co-host is a Red Sox fan, and he even had to admit that Brian Cashman is running this organization basically as perfectly as you can. You have such great talent on the field, and you look at their minor system, like you said, and it's just ridiculous what they've been doing um the Rays that's a nice one that one kind of threw me off when I saw that and then I kind of looked into it a little more earlier it's a little younger you got McKay's of the world so I like that but the Astros I'm glad you put that on there because I've driven to Fresno a few times to watch them play and it's crazy that year in and year out you look at their starting lineup and I've told people on certain days they can beat some major league teams They've right. had, in, in years past, literally, their lineup is almost a major league lineup. It is ridiculous.
2: Yeah, I I almost, I was thinking about doing an article about this, but they, it's really underrated how they are able to just always have just a really high quality four or five man position player bench that they can just mm-hmm. kind of cycle with their AAA roster and they're just never really hurting for depth. They've always got a guy that's ready to come up, kind of, kind of regardless of the position. And they're they're great on the international market. They're great in the draft. Uh, they're pretty good in trades, like I just said. So yeah, they're they run really well.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Like the Derek Fisher thing, he couldn't get a starting job, but you trade him to half the league, and he's starting. Mean, Tiascor Hernandez, and people made that they made that trade to, for Liriano. Uh, I just got back from seeing him for the first time, and I'm like, this guy's good. He's fast. He's got skills, a little raw, but defensively, he's talented, tons of power, and people are like, oh, he's nobody. I'm like, oh, just wait. This guy's got skill. He's just hidden underneath Fisher and Tucker and all these other guys. Um, It's crazy, absolutely crazy. Let's talk about a couple systems that uh, are on the move up, and the the first one here I'll just ask you in flat out because I love what they're doing. It's kind of lower. I've heard you and the Welsh talk about them quite a bit. Uh, the Oakland Athletics, and they're kind of one of those teams that every few years they start popping up towards the top of the list again and then it kind of goes away. What are you seeing with the A's that's making them move up the ladder?
2: Uh, they're just stockpiling talent. I mean, it's kind of like a poor man's version of what the Rays are doing. Uh, a lot of it's through trades, um, but they, you know, they. Some other guys have kind of gotten off to a rough start this year, like Jorge Mateo's stock's down. Franklin Barreto's stock might be down a little bit. Uh, obviously, A.J. Puck with Tommy John surgery. Um, Sheldon Noisy is a guy that I, I liked coming into the year. He's having a rough start. Uh, but they just they go pretty deep. I mean, I, I, I really like Austin Beck. I like Lazarito. Dustin Fowler's obviously a, a pretty quality player right now. They got lottery tickets and guys like James Caprillion and Dalton Jeffries, who once those guys get healthy this summer, uh, might be shooting up lists. And you know, it's it's not as deep as those other systems we talked about. Uh, there's maybe only 15 to 20 guys that are really relevant in dynasty leagues. Or that's another team where I think when you get to the trade deadline this year and then the draft before that they're going to really add some talent and, and inject some talent into that organization. So by the end of the year, we might be looking at them as a top five system.
1: I completely agree. They have a lot of, a lot of pieces of trade when now Billy Bean operates your other three. You have, there are the pirates, the twins and the Rangers. What makes those three teams uh, moving up the systems ladder for you?
2: Uh, kind of. Well, you know, the, the pirates already have a pretty good system. Uh, the twins already have a pretty good system. The Rangers system isn't that good at all, but uh, I'm just kind of, Looking ahead to what's going to happen over the next two to three months, and I think those are three systems that are going to be pretty adept at, at improving themselves. Uh, they're, I think, for the most part, going to be picking fairly high in the draft. Uh, the Twins are, I think, are rumored to be pretty involved in this international market again, and J2 guys, and then. I look at those three teams as some teams that might be uh, sellers once we get to the trade deadline and they, they might be able to make some smart moves to, to really bolster things.
1: And then lastly, I want to ask you about the MLB draft. Obviously we're not going to go into that. That could be a whole nother podcast, but um, you said you've been doing a lot of work on that and you got a lot of work coming out on road to wire. What um, can you give us kind of a cliff notes of what you're looking forward to at the draft? Maybe some surprises or things that stand out the most?
2: Uh, I was, I was texting our buddy Chris Welsh today and I was like, is it just me or is this draft kind of suck? Like I, am just not.
1: I haven't heard any hype really compared to most years.
2: I just don't, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm almost done with my like prep on the guys that are going to go in the first round. And I just am not that excited by really any of them. Like, you know, Casey Mize is the guy that's expected to go one, one, uh, really polished righty uh, out of Auburn. But he, you know, he's a, he's a pitcher. And even though he's a, he's a great college pitcher, like he might be my number one fantasy prospect in this class. And you, you never want that to be a pitcher. No. And I, I really like Jonathan India, who's a, a third baseman out of Florida who really came on this year. A uh, guy capable of playing third base, second base shortstop. But there's a lot of, like a lot of the guys that have the fantasy tools we're looking for are like college first baseman or high school first baseman. And I just, I hate the bust rate on those guys. Like I don't mind it. If, if a guy goes in, like the third round and I think I can get him really cheap in a dynasty league, but if he's a guy going in the first round, that's just too much risk. Not enough upside for me. Uh, but I think you know, just for people that are playing redraft, Casey Mize, the guy that's probably going to go number one to the Tigers, is someone that can move really quickly. There's some there's some questions that people have raised about his medicals. He missed time last year with a flexor strain, I believe, but he could he could reach the big leagues in the first half of next season, and that's that's pretty exciting. Uh, but you know. Overall, it's just not an exciting draft. I I think that there's going to be, I don't know if there's going to be less guys that go from this draft into my top 400 than in past years, but there's definitely going to be less guys that go from this draft into my top 100 than in past years. Like, I might only throw like three or four guys into the top 100 after the draft, which would be, uh, which would have to be a, a low compared to previous
1: years. Well, yeah, because I remember last year you had quite a few. It felt like that got thrown up there because it was actually a pretty decent draft last year. Uh, Last question, and I'll send you uh, on the way. You do have that top 400 even mentioning. How often do you update that top 400? Because that cannot be easy.
2: (laughs) No, it's not. I mean, it's it's really (laughs) a a source of stress right now because – really all my focus is on the draft. I mean, it kind of has to be like, I I don't get into the amateur side of stuff until I have to, just because, you know, I got to keep tabs on all these prospects in pro ball, all all, like 5,000 of them or whatever. Um, So I just don't have time to be keeping tabs on what some prep pitchers doing in in like March or April, but this time of year, I do have to get ready for the draft And so the the 400 is kind of taking a little bit of a hit in terms of how accurate it is. And that that really, it's something that really annoys me and kind of keeps me up at nights, just knowing that it's not as up-to-date as I'd like it to be. But, you know, once we get outside of the draft, I'll be doing, uh, you know, weekly sweeps on that. Um, Try to get through, you know, at least, 200, 300 guys each each week, each two weeks, and keep it up to date as possible. We added a new feature this year that a lot of people have been asking for that would just kind of show up or down arrows uh, to kind of show which guys are, are on the rise, which guys are, are moving down. So I think that's going to be a pretty useful tool, especially when we get into the summer. I mean, my experience, like if you're adding guys in dynasty leagues, pop up guys. A lot of times the best guys are added kind of in that July range once, you know, all the rookie leagues and short season leagues have started. And, you know, we start getting some guys back from injuries and stuff like that. I mean, you could have added Jesus Lazardo in most dynasty leagues uh, last August if you wanted to. Um, And so, you know, I'm going to try to – you know, get that as, as ironed out as I can after the draft, and get it as up to date as possible. I apologize if people are missing the updates on there, but I uh, got to get this draft stuff done, and then I'll, I'll be back at it.
1: No, no, no apologies necessary. Like I said, it's a quite the task you have at hand here. And people, when you said five thousand people, it makes you it made me laugh because you know you got all these other guys that just cover the major leagues, and they say how stressful that is. <laughs> That's 30 25 man rosters. <laughs> You're sitting there going, you know, to town on stuff. So much respect to that. And James, uh, that was awesome stuff. I could sit there and talk prospects and other stuff a lot longer with you, but we'll have to do it some other time. Everybody, check his work out on RotoWire, like we talked about. He does uh, RotoWire stuff on Fridays on XM Radio, Farm Fridays, and then Wednesday's podcast with Clay Link, doing prospect stuff there. Plus, he's got all the work at Roadwire and it's worth every penny. His work and everybody else's. So go check all that out. He's on Twitter at real jr Anderson. James, thanks for joining me, man. I really appreciate it.
2: Thanks. It was a blast.
1: Awesome. Everybody, this is Benjamin Bubba, episode 96. Catch you guys next time.